Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. Uh, welcome back to Truth About Trucking Live. Today is Sunday, May 3rd, 2009, and I'm Alan Smith, along with my co-host and executive producer, Barry Stutsky. Barry, how are you doing today? Hi. Hey, Alan. I'm, I'm enchanted today. You're enchanted? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, <laughs> yeah. Look. Uh, what do you find so enchanted about the show? <laughs> Oh, I don't, you know, stop it with the hard questions, Alan. You're starting to sound like a, a right-wing extremist here, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, that, that was a tough question, tell me. Yeah, heave me a couple softballs, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the brightest light bulb in Walmart, so we got to take it easy on me a little bit here, you know? <laughs> well, that makes, that makes two of us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, we, uh, we appreciate you joining us. This Sunday afternoon for the Trucker Sunday Show, and our call-in number so you can let your voice be heard is 347-826-9170, and our topic is all about NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement that was first signed by U.S. President George H.W. Bush and Mexican President Salinas and the Canadian Prime Minister, who was Brian Maloney, Mulroney at that time in 1992, and it was ratified by the legislatures of the three countries in 93, and the, U House, the um, U.S. House approved it by 234 to 200 uh, votes on November 17th, and the Senate, I believe it was by 60 to 38 on November 20th. 20th of 93, and it was signed into law by President Bill Clinton on December 8, 1993, and entered force actually on January 1st of 94. And although it was uh, started by President Bush, it was a priority of President Clinton's, and its passage is uh, considered one of his first successes. So we're going to be touching on all these things. I've got a lot here to cover, and uh, kind of set the stage and let you get a kind of a history and what this thing's all about. And Barry, you just feel free to jump in anytime. I, I, I'm, I'm right here. I'm, I'm all ears. You know, I, I obviously uh, my opinion will show up at some point, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it will. <laughs> yeah, well, it's be, coming, I'll, buddy. yeah. I'll be curious to see what your uh, opinion is. Cause you know, there's pros. A lot of people are for it. A lot of people are against it. And, and, uh, under um, under NAFTA, uh, all non-tariff barriers to agricultural trade between the uh, U.S. and Mexico were eliminated, and many other tariffs were eliminated as well, with the understanding that a uh, whole lot of other tariffs would be phased out over a period of 5 to uh, 15 years. And now what this did was to allow for an... Um, I guess you could call it an orderly adjustment to free trade with Mexico, and of course, uh, NAFTA also includes our neighbors to the north, Canada. So 
so simply put, NAFTA created a trade block between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, which means that regional barriers to trade, which are the tariffs and the non-tariffs, would be reduced or eliminated between the participating states. Now, we were all faced with the understanding back then that NAFTA would result in increased jobs for U.S. citizens and that free trade would be a good thing. But we're going to see, has that really been the true result? NAFTA has created jobs, but records show that these jobs are of minimal wage stature, and actually it has led to more job loss than job gain, and leading to millions of jobs actually lost uh, across the U.S. And, and job losses in all 50 states. But something we should all be aware of, if we're not, is actually the safety issue that NAFTA has created. And, and so I'm going to read here, listen to, listen to these facts that have resulted from NAFTA. These are facts. One fact, under NAFTA, food imports from Mexico and Canada have dra uh, uh, dramatically increased. And on the other hand, under NAFTA, inspection of imported food from Mexico and Canada has decreased. Uh, food from Mexico is more likely to be contaminated with illegal le levels of pesticides in U.S. grown food. And beef produced in Canada, which has increased under NAFTA, is not properly inspected at the U.S. border. I think we can all remember the mad cow disease. Uh, another fact, the increased volume of trade under NAFTA has undermined the ability of the U.S. to protect U.S. farmers against pest and disease, jeopardizing U.S. grown food. And meat and poultry impl imported from Mexico and Canada is not inspected for dangerous chemicals which may be used in those countries. So the bottom line, a 1994 study by the Nonprofit Council for Agricultural Science and Technology estimated, and this is really a big estimate, that between 6.5 million and 81 million incidents of foodborne illness occur in the United States each year with up to 9,000 fatalities. And that was in 94, the year NAFTA was implemented, which is ha so what's, what's happened in the last 15 years under NAFTA free trade. And according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, we now import 30 billion tons of food a year, including fruit, <coughs> vegetables, seafoods, and canned goods. And these imported foods are an increasing proportion of the diet and often come from developing countries uh, where food hygiene and uh, basic sanitation are less advanced, should we say. And uh, the FDA simply does not have the manpower to inspect everything that comes across our borders. <clears throat> this is a fact. We, we know this. So, in fact, the, uh, the massive increase in NAFTA imports has really overwhelmed the federal agencies responsible for inspecting imported food. For example, at the um, border crossing there in uh, Otay Mesa, Arizona, 2,000 between 2,000 and 2,500 trucks travel from Mexico to the U.S. daily, four to five times more than a decade ago. And other than spot checks and random uh, block bust, as they call them, that they do uh, <coughs> 15, 15 trucks at a time. 
now most of these trucks pass through untouched and uninspected every day right into the United States. And uh, a recent report actually issued by the USDA and the Department of Health and Human Services and the Environmental Protection Agency reveals that the number of food inspections has decreased, I, I mean, tremendously. In fact, these agencies themselves report, this is a report that comes from these agencies. They show the number of FDA inspections between 81 and 96 has steadily decreased and actually decreased from 21,000 inspections down to only 5,000 inspections. And the FDA has fewer than 700 inspectors and analysts for 53,000 domestic food processing plants and all imported food. And it showed that the FDA import inspectors have failed to keep pace with the growth in imports. And the same number of inspectors are now responsible for two to three times as many imports as short as only five years ago. And if you're ready for this, the FDA often fails to keep contaminated food from being consumed in the United States as if we didn't know that. So uh, if you're out there needing a job or looking for a job, sounds like you can go to the FDA. Sounds like they're really shorthand, and they might, <laughs> might hey, be able to hey, find a job there. Hey, Alan. Uh-huh. You know, I was thinking, the, me and the wife were talking the other day, that Salmonella, uh, do you recall, if you go back 20 years, every now and then Salmonella would show up, and, and now as soon as it gets out of the peanuts, it's in the bean sprouts, and as soon as it gets out of bean sprouts, it's showing up in the spinach. And so, I mean, it's just like uh, getting to be a household word, you know, so I don't know if that's related to NAFTA, but there sure is, a, you know, from what I can see in the TV, a big increase in that kind of thing. Yeah, it is, and it was really surprising when I was doing research on this show that uh, – uh, that it, basically it boils down to NAFTA is just being just making it legal for. I mean, we don't have the manpower to, to you know to handle all this stuff coming in, import or exports, and specifically imports, obviously. And and um, it's it's just it's allowing for the spread. We're seeing that, and you know now we've got uh, trucking manufacturers, truck jobs and plants moving to Mexico, uh, fruits, vegetables, fish, and, and uh, uh, what else? Shellfish from Mexico and uh, meats, livestock, and field crops, uh, specifically hay and alfalfa, and uh, bakery products from Canada. And we've seen contamination, like I mentioned a minute ago, the mad, mad cow disease. Um, I don't know if too many people remember the Guatemalan raspberries and, the, of course, the Mexican strawberries. And now, uh, of course, you know everything in the news about the swine flu. And with the um, NAFTA surface transportation coming in and out of uh, Mexico, uh, you know, easily swine flu can come from there. And it's just opening our doors to all this kind of stuff through this NAFTA policy. And well, there, there's 300,000 family farms. Now, I, in the last 15 years since NAFTA started, 300,000 family farms have been put out of business. Net farm income in the last 15 years in the United States has declined by 13%. So, you know, that, uh, well, that's putting a hurt on us, huh? Yeah, it's actually putting a hurt on us and, and Canada and Mexico and, uh, uh, I mean, all over. Um, I, I just want to put this out there because, you know, I, I said I put my opinion. This 
NAFTA, you know, the, the people that support it, they try to present it like they want to help the Mexican people. And, and I got something to say to them. Start paying them 15 bucks an hour and give them some health benefits. And, and, and if they drop dead in the field, don't just haul their body off and replace them. You know, I, I, I was the researcher. I got angry. You know, oh, we're helping the Mexican people. They're oppressing them. They're absolutely oppressing them. And uh, I, I'll let you, you know, continue on. But I just want to put that out there. I, I, it's not about helping the Mexican people. It's about hurting them. And it's about taking jobs that pay something here and putting them down there and, and giving them the, the one company's paying $3 an hour. It sits at the border. It's an assembly company, $3 an hour, 12 hours a day, no health insurance, no vacation, no nothing. Women have to take a pregnancy test before they can go to work for them. So I, I know we're talking produce here, but boy, that really, that's upsetting. You know, this is not about helping the Mexican people. Oh no, that's right. And I got a few emails from uh, people when we were getting ready for the show and one was telling me how much it's helped Mexico and helped the Mexican people. And uh, I had that a little bit later in the show, and you brought it up, so it's a good point. Um, but, you know, don't don't take my word from it. Listen listen to the uh, Mexican people themselves. This is a clip uh, from CNN when they were implementing um, NAFTA. And uh, a little noisy in the background because uh, people in Mexico are burning trucks and cars. They've set them on fire. Uh, so... Uh, not just us saying that it's, it's hurting the Mexican people. The Mexican people themselves are hurting, and uh, we'll listen to that right now, and you can hear it for yourself. A burning tractor in Mexico City's Plaza of the Revolution, part of a last-ditch effort by Mexican farm workers who say their livelihoods are going up in smoke. Hundreds of thousands of them gathered in the capital to protest the entry of cheap, subsidized grains from the United States and Canada into the Mexican market courtesy of the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA. Some want Mexico to renegotiate the terms of the wide-sweeping 1994 agreement. Others say a little concern for Mexican farmers would be enough. The NAFTA agreement is in place, and that's that. All producers should be under equal conditions, and as Mexicans, we are not working under the same terms as our neighbors up north. Mexican farmers argue that under NAFTA they face unfair competition from U.S. farmers who enjoy much heavier government subsidies than they get. NAFTA is very bad for Mexican people, for Mexican consumers and for Mexican producers. Ramon Garcia, who grows corn near Mexico City, says he couldn't afford to fertilize it this year. He had to rent a tractor to till his arid field. Too much effort, he says, for a crop that brings in little cash. Corn is too cheap. For me to make a profit, it has to bring in 15 pesos a kilo, and I can barely get 10. Farmers say their pleas for help have fallen on deaf ears, taking to the streets their only option. The government says it will talk to the farmers about finding ways to increase its support for them after they clear city streets. But it insists renegotiating NAFTA is out of the question. And it argues since subsidized grains appeared on the Mexican market in January, prices have been stable. Stable, but too low for many farmers, who say poverty on the farms is pushing more would-be migrants to look for work in the United States. Harris Whitbeck, CNN, Mexico City. So there it is right from the Mexico people, you know. I mean, it, it's... Uh, <laughs> And they, they, if anybody should know, they should know. So that's just going right along with what you were saying, Barry. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you played that. There's a, 
I put this out there, there are some websites out there, and, and people who are on the Internet a while understand that anybody can put up a website and put up anything they want. If you don't slander somebody, you can lie <laughs> and get away <laughs> with it. And, and I came across a couple of uh, sites that support NAFTA that just boldface put numbers out there that, that weren't true. You know, and said that the Mexican people, one of the things they said specifically was the Mexican people love NAFTA. So I'm really happy you found that clip. It kind of puts reality into the discussion, you know? Oh, yeah. And it just goes back and forth. And it's not just, a, a, you know, Republicans and Democrats against each other. I mean, they're on both sides of this, you know, and uh, against it. And and here's something that's interesting. is the uh, The Office of the U.S. Trade Representative is required by law to send a report to Congress by July 1st um, on the effects of the North American Free Trade Agreement on the state that they uh, represent. And now, to obtain congressional approval back in 93, NAFTA's uh, corporate proponents and their um, political allies, I guess, promised Americans specific benefits from NAFTA. And some of the things they promised was uh, two, at least 200,000 200, new NAFTA after jobs, they promised higher wages, they promised increasing middle-class consumer demand in Mexico, they, uh, they uh, promised an increasing U.S. trade surplus with Mexico, greater economic and social stability in Mexico, and it promised improved environmental and health conditions in the U.S.-Mexico border region, and they, it uh, promised thorough border inspection and as trade volumes increased and uh, inhibiting shipments of unsafe food or contraband such as illegal drugs and better relations with Mexico on issues from immigration to promotion of uh, democratic elections. Now, I found one report, uh, I found many, but here's just one report sent to Congress by the Kansas U.S. Trade Representative for the state of Kansas, just one state, and these are some of the things the representative reported. I'll just read them off here. First thing, that NAFTA's promised benefits are not materializing. Indeed, in many areas for which benefits were promised, conditions are worse in these areas than before NAFTA went into effect on January 1st, 94. Uh, it goes on, NAFTA's passage has greatly increased the volume of tainted food and illegal drugs coming into the United States to which Kansas families are exposed. Increased shipping volume, NAFTA requirements that limit inspections and inadequate funding have combined to overwhelm government inspection systems charged with guaranteeing the safety of imported food. Uh, reduced inspections under NAFTA have also had the tragic effect of increasing imports such as drugs. And they have found, uh, this, this, these kind of things kind of blew me away. I didn't know this stuff. They have found that fewer than 1% of 3.3 million trucks entering the U.S. each year are inspected, less than 1% of almost 3.5 million trucks. Well, well even if and, they did inspect them, Alan, you know, when when it comes to produce, and, and you know, I'm, I'm helping you out there with uh, uh, starting an organic garden and all that, and, I mean, you could put anything on the produce, and, and if they pop the trailer towards it, the border eat. You, you don't know if DDTs are there. I mean, unless the, you take the cabbage and put it in a test tube, you really don't know what it is. So it, I, even the one right. one percent they inspect, I I honestly don't see how you, you know there's, there's documentation that says we didn't use this certain pesticide or we didn't do this or we didn't do that. But anybody can fill out right. a paper. Oh yeah, yeah, and it just goes back to what I was 
saying it's it's just a it's just a a legal form of just allowing contaminated foods from other countries to just come right across in our border. And that the report goes on. It says at the Mexican border crossing with the heaviest passenger vehicle volume in the country, a supervisory inspector said that the staff were inspecting less than 0.1% of the passenger vehicular traffic because of the high volume of traffic, and I'm sure that would pertain to uh, the illegal drugs coming in. Uh, another fact from this Kansas report, the inspection system's failure is allowing a greatly increased amount of produce, uh, produce contaminated with illegal pesticides to enter the United States from Mexico, just like you said, Barry, how are they going to check it anyway? They have a a very difficult time checking it even in our own country and, and they, it's impossible right and and then uh, uh, let's see here the report imported crops from Mexico contain very high rates of illegal pesticides strawberries head lettuce and carrots have violation rates of 18.4 percent 15.6 percent and 12.3 percent illegal pesticides were underreported by FDA on crops from Mexico. The FDA publicly reports that 4% of crop imports from Mexico contain illegal pesticides. However, its internal records indicate that the rate was 7.4%, but worse, the FDA reported rate for strawberries was 10%, but the independent study by EWG found the actual rate to be 19%. So a lot of fudging going on there. And of course, the report they touched on. Uh oh. Okay, you there, Barry? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I, okay. I, you, you disappeared for a minute. Hey, I wanted to throw something out there about that pesticide because uh, I don't use it, and I've been, you know, uh, part of the reason that. Turn my yard into a farm is to avoid it. Pesticide damage to a person is irreversible. Okay, so over the course of decades, if you're eating this stuff, uh, you know the problems show up later in life, and you don't make the connection. But there's nothing the doctors can do for you, so it's really, really bad, you know. And and the, the damage that it does to the human nervous system and, and and the brain and all, it, it's permanent. So I just want to throw that out there. It's, it's more serious than than we realize, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it looks like I'm back up here. I don't know what happened there. Everything went <laughs> blank on me. Um, and the, and the, uh, the Kansas report also said, of course, Mexican truck safety standards are dangerously weaker than in the U.S. Uh, for example, Mexico does not require front brakes on tractor trailers, and NAFTA has provided neither the financial support nor regulatory incentives to bring Mexican standards up to U.S. levels, as we all know. And the U.S. inspects only one in 200 trucks crossing the border from Mexico, and half of these fail the safety check. And just as worrisome are the weak Mexican standards for truck drivers, and uh, let's see, the same report, real wages for the majority of workers are declining in all three NAFTA countries in direct contradiction to the promises of NAFTA. It has been high-wage, high-tech jobs that have led U.S. NAFTA job losses. Uh, using actual trade data for the U.S., Mexico, and Canada in the Commerce Department's 1993 formula, the one they used to promise creation of 200,000-plus new NAFTA jobs, 
would indicate that the U.S. lost at least 400,000 jobs due to trade with NAFTA countries since 1993. And last but not least, the Kansas report states that as of June 2, 1997, the number of U.S. workers certified by the U.S. Department of Labor as having lost their jobs because of NAFTA under the narrowly defined NAFTA Trade Adjustment Assistance Program had reached 128,253 lost jobs, representing 1,904 firms in 48 states, while only a few thousand specific NAFTA-created jobs had identified. So now, as of November 2003, and now we're still way back in 2003, 879,280 U.S. jobs had been lost due to NAFTA, according to the EPI, and that is the Economic Policy Institute, and the two other countries, Mexico and Canada, also report that NAFTA has led to severe job losses uh, for their countries, and uh, Mexican officials, as early as February 2008, report now this is from Mexican official, officials, you know, those, those guys down in Mexico, February 2008, they report that they estimate that because of NAFTA, illegal immigration from their country to ours will continue at a rate of 500,000 per year for the next 15 years. So why all the reports from 93 and 01 or 03, why not anything really current? Uh, probably to keep it hush-hush, I mean, I would think. And as of right now, 2009, estimated job losses due to NAFTA is $25 million. And uh, Wow. I know. Isn't that mind-boggling? Wow. I, 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 it was I, hard to find. I never current. would have guessed it. I, I was hard to find. Say that number again. Yeah, I found a report, and it took me forever because, I mean, they, they just they keep this. It, it's hard to find this stuff. It's like they keep it hush-hush. But I found a report uh, as of right now, right here in 2009, estimated job losses due to NAFTA is $25 million. I, I don't doubt that. I, I yeah, like I said when I was doing a little bit of research, the, the uh, <clears throat> there's a, there's a ton of money putting out the, the free trade is wonderful point of view, and and they ain't afraid to lie. Some of the stuff is just blatant, you know. So, I guess, I guess uh, well, it's a good thing you found it. Yeah, and and I don't know. It still wasn't clear if that. I don't. I can't imagine that being 25 million in the U.S. That might be all three countries combined. I would think. Yeah. You think? I mean, and it may be the U.S., but it wasn't specific. It just said estimated job losses due to NAFTA is 25 million, but that could be uh, U.S., Canada, and Mexico combined. Well, well, I do know for a fact that 20% of the manufacturing jobs in this country have disappeared since NAFTA was initiated, and that's not all due to NAFTA. Uh, you know what NAFTA is? Is is the is, is the, the the tumor, the, the last tumor in a cancer patient that metastasized into the pancreas. Okay, I, I mean it's just a reflection of something that's been going on for 40 years. It's just the, late, the latest uh, nail in the coffin that they they came up with to to kill the American dream. And, and you know, uh, it's been going yeah. on for a long time. So those job losses probably reflect, you know, the, what's coming from China and a bunch of other places. I mean, trade agreements have just, just uh, there's something that what is that? The, the right to the pursuit of happiness. I don't. I'm not a, a constitutional scholar, but I suggest that these trade agreements have taken that away from people. Oh yeah, and then and the, the manufacturing uh, 
end of it has really been hurt the most. And, and uh, uh, you know, but let's be fair here. President Bush signed the North American Free Trade Agreement um, between Canada and U.S. and Mexico on uh, December 17th, 92, under uh, a lot of protests by labor unions and other opponents throughout the country. And Bush, he declared that NAFTA, I think his exact words, would uh, would be a catalyst for economic growth in the three countries, but the opponents insisted that it would lead to uh, just a breakdown in the living standards of U.S. workers, and which obviously it appears that it has. So, so yes, President Bush uh, brought NAFTA into play. So when uh, when uh, Mr. Obama declared that he, he would uh, reopen NAFTA and ensure that its policies would result in uh, you know, safe issues for all of us. I was, I was really glad to hear that. And, um, I mean, now it looks like uh, it's not going to happen. But here's the – let's li- listen to this short clip here uh, going back uh, before the uh, election was all over. But uh, here's what uh, uh, Barack Obama was saying about NAFTA and how he was going to, uh, you know, fight for it here. Will you as president say to Canada and Mexico – this has not worked for us. We are out. I will make sure that we re- renegotiate in the same way that Senator Clinton talked about. And I think actually Senator Clinton's answer on this one is right. I think we should use the hammer of a potential opt-out as leverage to ensure that we actually get labor and environmental standards that are enforced. So that, that sounds good, huh, Barry? I, I love what he's saying there. I mean, that's that's, that's exactly what what we should be doing. You know, uh, if if you want to uh, have fair trade, free trade, free trade ain't free, obviously. But you know, if they want to pay the the guy in, in Mexico fifteen bucks an hour, I'm I'm all for it. You know, if you want to give him a quality of life and 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 uh, medical and everything like that, I'm all for it. But I it, anyway, I'm hoping. Yeah, well, he went on because uh, it was a big, big thing during the campaign, and you know, I was kind of pushing for it and saying, yeah, NAFTA does need to be rene- uh, renegotiated. And uh, but he went on further. Here's one more little clip, and uh, we'll get the audio clips out of the way, uh, Mr. Obama, once again about NAFTA. I think that it is inaccurate for Senator Clinton to say that she's always opposed NAFTA. Uh, in her campaign for Senate, she said that NAFTA on balance, have been good for New York and good for America. Uh, I disagree with it. I think that it did not have the labor standards and environmental standards that were required in order to not just be good for Wall Street, but also be good for Main Street. And if you travel through Youngstown and you travel through uh, communities in my own state of Illinois, you will see entire uh, cities that have been devastated as a consequence of trade agreements that were not adequately structured uh, to make sure that U.S. workers had a fair deal. Now, I think that Senator Clinton has shifted positions on this and believes that we should have uh, strong uh, environmental standards and labor standards, and I think that's a good thing. But when I first moved to Chicago in the early 80s and I saw steel workers who had been laid off of their plants, black, white, and Hispanic, Uh, and I worked on the streets of Chicago to try to help them find jobs, I saw then that the net costs of many of these trade agreements, if they're not properly structured, can be devastating. And as President of the United States, I intend to make certain that every agreement that we sign has the labor standards, the environmental standards, and the safety standards that are going to protect not just workers, but also consumers. We can't have 
toys with lead paint in them that our children are playing with. We can't have medicines that are actually making people more sick instead of better because they're produced overseas. Uh, we have to stop providing tax breaks for companies that are shipping jobs overseas and give those tax breaks to companies that are investing here in the United States of America. And if we do those things, then I believe that we can actually get Ohio back on the path of growth and jobs and prosperity. If we don't, then we're going to continue to see the kind of deterioration that we've seen economically here in the state. Okay, but now, Barry, he's back down, in it, and as it looks right now, uh, there'll be no reopening of NAFTA, which legally, you know, I keep saying, legally just allows practices of bringing in what could be contaminated food to the U.S. and more lost jobs for truck drivers. And 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 this is, doesn't have anything to do with Obama. I mean, you know, this this was brought in from Democrats and Republicans alike. You know, I mean, he's he's just our president now, and so it's not Obama bashing. It's just, uh, you know, he he was so adamant about reopening it, and um, and now just now that's just all gone. So what do you think? NAFTA's going to just stay as it is? Yeah, I doubt it'll do anything. I could I couldn't possibly blame it all on Obama. That would be crazy. It, it, no. Required, this really and NAFTA specifically was from 1993. It started, but I mean the, the situation right. really is a 40 year. From from the windshield of my truck, and not or the windshield of my bicycle, if you will, for to get forty years back, has been a bipartisan, multi-decade effort. You know, it, it, those right. steel mills started disappearing. I saw them start start disappearing in in uh, Pennsylvania. I'm going to say in the '70s. You know, they started, uh, and they they screamed. You know, the United States Steel said, you know, begged. They said, look, we. Can, the steel's being dumped here. We can't compete. We can't compete. We can't compete. And then when they started closing the mill, they stopped putting uh, money into their steel mills, and then they were demonized. <clears throat> and I'm, at, at this point, I can look back and say, boy, I know where that demonization came from. They blamed it all on the steel mills. They said, U.S. Steel wants to operate in uh, China, and uh, you know they're doing this. And they blamed it all on the steel mills. And the reality was that they could not compete with with uh, a mill in another country that was uh, paying their workers two dollars an hour. They, they couldn't. So. Right. You know, so I, I mean, NAFTA is just a, a continuation of something that's been going on for a long time, and I uh, can you just blame Obama. You would hope that you know, given that anyone who looks out objectively at the history of trade in this country can see that free trade is not fair trade. There's a huge difference, and he hit on that. He was talking about let's be fair, let's be competitive, and let's right. take care of the worker. And and uh, right. Boy. Boy, I just—I don't know how much more the population can take. You know, I just—I mean, not everybody can uh, clean hotel rooms for a living. You know, we need—we need to be making something. Yeah, and uh, and you know, again, no, it's not. You know, Obama doesn't fall on him at all because I mean, it's been uh, long before he came, but he was just saying saying the right things. And you know, I you know, it's just politics. I know, but it is a serious situation. I mean, we've seen it with the strawberries and the raspberries and the. Mad cow disease and uh, could be bringing it right over the swine flu. Though they say they, that's getting in. I haven't really, haven't really been following the swine flu that much. But uh, there's uh, and then you have the people that you know are pro NAFTA and uh, they talk about the pros about uh, increases of the U.S. sales and profits, which that hasn't been the case. It increases the U.S. middle class jobs. That hasn't been the case. It will help poorer countries. That hasn't been the case. And they even talk about um, foreign direct investment, where uh, the NAFTA will reduce risk for investors by um, guaranteeing they will have the same legal rights as local investors. Um, and it also guarantees that um, 
they'll receive fair market value for their investments in case the government decides to nationalize the industry or take the property by eminent domain. And, you know, of course, we've seen eminent domain come in. That opens up a whole other can of worms. But all the pros hasn't played out. We haven't seen all those things. We just heard uh, the Mexico people uh, yelling and screaming and setting things on fire. And, of course, yeah, that was when it was being implemented, implemented, but it's still the same. It's still going on. They're hurting, specifically from the corn crops. And uh, then we have the cons, which is really just opposite of what I just listed, loss of jobs more than gain, especially the higher-paying jobs. And workers in other countries are being exploited and harmed, like you've touched on, and the environment in other countries is being defiled. And, um, I mean, for example, here I have something here from the Economic Policy Institute, the EPI, about post-NAFTA Mexico. And um, this is what it says, and I quote, In Mexico, real wages have fallen sharply, and there has been a steep decline in the number of people holding regular jobs and paid positions. Many workers have been shifted into substance-level work in the informal sector. Additionally, a flood of subsidized, low-priced corn, there's a corn again, from the U.S. has decimated farmers and rural economics. And another quote is the impact on workers in countries as India, Indonesia, and China has been even more severe with innumerable instances of starvation wages, child workers, slave labor hours, and perilous work conditions. And, uh, you know, there's no way of getting around that. I mean, I can't pull anything good out of those two statements. I, well, you know, in particular with China, and there's photos out there, and, and anybody that takes a photo of something in China is is risking life in prison. So, I mean, the idea that you're getting the, the real information from a place like that is not on. But I did see... Uh, prisoners working in a tannery, and there's a vat of uh, it's a, it says acid or, or something along those lines. And these guys are in there in their underwear, stomping the hides, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're going to die. They're going to die. It's just uh, uh, you know, it's uh, cheaper than feeding them, and they get the hides, and then you know, somebody over here buys a pair of leather shoes and doesn't realize that the, that the person's life was involved in making that thing. So it's it's, it's pretty hideous. Yeah, and. Uh... Uh, you know, I just got a chance to bring up the chat. Uh, uh, welcome, welcome everybody in the chat. I see you all there. Appreciate you being here. I've just been uh, been kind of busy, but uh, thanks for being here and joining us today. Uh, got a couple listeners on the phone. I guess they're just listening, so um, I'm not for sure. Usually a little hand pops up uh, if they're wanting to talk, so I guess they're just listening. So appreciate you all being here. And uh, to get back on the uh, Democrat and Republican side, by no by no means, you know, not pointing fingers at anybody because Republicans and Democrats alike, many of them, are against this NAFTA policy and want to change it. But they get stifled by the media, and you don't hear it. Recently, a uh, Senator Sherrod Brown, out of Ohio, who is a, who is a Democrat, <clears throat> made these comments. And I quote, the lack of international laws for environmental protection, for example, encourages firms to go to the nation with the weakest standards. And as I said, a a large majority of Democrats whose voices are stifled have reported, and uh, here's one quote, many of our colleagues have acted in favor of trade policy reform over the past decade as President Bill Clinton's NAFTA, WTO, and China trade deals not only failed to deliver the promised benefits, but caused real damage. 
So when you look at all that is being said by rep, uh, by Republicans and Democrats, if you can find it, um, uh, it just really doesn't seem to be working. Um, and so I always, Barry, I always, I'm, I'm just always set back by when I get these emails. You know, uh, NAFTA is a good thing. It's creating jobs. It's it's it, it's really working. But yet, uh, whatever happened to we the people? Even the we the people in Mexico, they're yelling and screaming and and uh, it's just like we just fall on deaf ears anymore. Yeah, it's, that's what really I, I got to admit. I I I knew when you uh, mentioned doing an after show that I had I didn't like it, and then you know, and I'm doing the research, and I just flat got depressed. I, I I just started getting you know, if it was if it was a situation where hey, I can vote a Republican in, or I can vote a Democrat in, it would solve the problem. But this, this is a bipartisan effort to, to you know, and anybody that supports it, I. I'd never vote for him, no matter what party they're in. You know, I sent an email to Mel Martinez, as one of my senators. You know, regarding mm-hmm. the, when the trucks were coming up here, and I, I mean, quite frankly, I don't know that sending an email makes a big difference, but it helps. I think all the truckers, if we all get together and at least send letters, would be better. You know, and uh, show up in their office. I have every intention of doing that, uh, but I got a, a, a letter back, and I guess they got keyword software they used to go through emails because the, the form letter came back had no relation to what I wrote the guy, you know? So it, yeah. it really, really annoyed me, you know? I said, you know, I understand that you don't have time to respond to the email, but could you at least have a, a live person, you know, send back a form letter that's related to it? But here he is, and, and uh, I got the numbers here somewhere, but Florida, you know, uh, t- tens of thousands of jobs to NAFTA has lost, and why this guy would support a thing that's hurting the people that, you know, it's just beyond me, but he does. So it goes. Yeah, well, I I got a lot of emails. I got several emails from, uh, um, you know, one guy telling me, uh, you know, don't don't become an extremist, and you know, it, anybody who knows me, I'm the furthest thing from extremist. So. <laughs> no, and, and, and you know, one of the reasons we do this show is, is you know to allow free speech because frequently it doesn't occur anymore. And and everybody's entitled to belief. I, I'm I'm open to being convinced otherwise, you know. But the the numbers that I see, and and mostly, I'm telling you, at the windshield of my truck, I I watch a steel mill outside of Philadelphia go from 8,000 employees to to it's now an industrial park. So, I mean, we're talking oh, yeah. massive of thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs. Uh, two chemical plants, a uh, strict trailer plant, uh, 3M, and this was all within 10 miles of where I was living. They're all gone, or they're they're some, you know, I don't know what they're doing with the properties, you know. So I mean that kind yeah. of data, that kind of data, I don't, I, I don't need to go to a website and and read all these fudge numbers. You know, I could just look yeah. out there and say, hey, that steel mill's gone, and why is it gone? Well, why it's gone is because uh, the trade agreements allowed uh, steel to be dumped here relentlessly. You know, and uh, yeah. So I, I, yeah. I mean, you gotta understand too. Anytime you're talking billions of dollars in profits, because the people that import this stuff, they mark it up obviously, and they make their money, and it's really easy. They can be real competitive because if you can get a product made for $3 an hour, you bring it in the United States, you mark it up 20%, and you're still 10% below the stuff that's made in Los Angeles. So so no kidding, there's a lot of data out there. I mean, if you had a billion dollars in your pocket, I bet you could put one heck of a website up. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I see uh, I see Donna over there. She's handling the chat for me good because I can't get to it. and got a lot of people in the chat, and, and – uh, do have one caller here has a little tiny hand, so wanting to say something. So I'm going to call out your uh, area code, and that will be your cue to speak. So a caller from area code 
uh, boy, I should have put my glasses on. 954, area code 954. You're, you're on Truth About Trucking Live. Go ahead. Alan, can you hear me? It's Daniel. Oh, oh hi, Daniel. Hey, what's up? I thought I'd hi. call in and jump in on this one because uh, it's an issue that I do a little bit of homework on, too, and uh, just today and yesterday, as a matter of fact, and uh, a couple of economists who support you mean you have an opinion on this? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, and there, the economists are saying, and I just read one. Let me turn this down. I've got that. There's a, just a little bit of a lag, which is typical of radio here on the Internet. Um, one guy I was reading wrote something today that the what they were telling people the trade balance would be, uh, it's, it's not even remotely – uh, close to what they were claiming that it would be. In other words, it would be a fair balance of export and import, and it's not. Um, mm-hmm. And the numbers that it's reflecting is 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 not even enough to keep the backlash from imports versus exports. In other words, if we're not selling, but we're importing a lot, which means and all that what what, what it, it's saying is that these big companies are having stuff made out of the country and they're and they're importing it but other countries are not buying from us you know what i mean uh-huh. and they had uh-huh. and he was saying they had to have known that so that makes this whole thing you know what's what's the real truth of it it's not what they said it was going to be at all and i know this is an obvious thing to all the listeners people listening in right now because we the people and i've been on this we the people thing and i'll get into that later on my show but uh we're feeling it because, as the one guy said, he goes, well, the rich are making money overseas. Their money is making money. But working people here, uh, the reason the economy is in the condition it's in, because it finally caught up with us. There's no jobs. There's the, the money is just not being recycled and cycled into the system from jobs and taxes and all that stuff anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, um, yeah, 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 exactly. And uh and it's like, like they had to know this, and that's why I look at it. They did. And and that's why, I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll shoot out We the People, too. I mean, I think you do it, you do it more than me, but I just it, – it's frustrating because what happened to We the People? I mean, we you've got, you know, all of us yelling about it, uh, truckers yelling about it. You just heard uh, Mexican people yelling about it and still are, but yet uh, the renegotiation of now. Have to just falls on deaf ears. It's uh, so uh, that's frustrating. You know what what happened to we the people? We we the people have, are getting pushed back uh, into a 19th century uh, life. Just what we're getting pushed back to what it was in 1920. Sweatshops. That's where we the people are heading. Yeah, yeah. That's and I when I was coming back from one of my last boat hauls, I saw on a billboard all it said was we the people and i don't know why that just hit me so hard because i was in thinking about shows and talking and thinking my god you know the kind you know you think about stuff like i'm sure you do in between shows alan you can't help it mm-hmm. um and i write a lot about it too and you know and i just got so you know this cold chill on me and i thought we the people what is you know and i started thinking what does that mean what did that mean you know what I mean? Right. And when it was written, it meant something. It does not mean anything now. 
in terms of, and I'm not trying to discredit or discount the patriots that are out there that are trying to do something about it, but collectively, um, and this is why you've heard me in my own particular style to tell people, listen, I'll speak for myself. I have been standing around with my hands in my pants for the last 25 years and my mouth open watching this unfold, watching regime, you know, or, uh, administration after administration, and your caller was right. It is a bipartisan. Uh, both sides are at fault. Both sides are full of crap when it comes to the way they deal with the American people versus big business and, and their net profits, you know. So uh, yeah. we the people. You know, I just, I just, I mean, if there's any point to this thing, it's, uh, you know, like I tell people, get involved, not in politics, but in government. We have to realign ourselves. We have to, the American people have to wake up. This will get worse. And the way of life that we know now that is declining, degrading in terms of day-to-day, um, the American dream um, is dying, you, you know, for, for the individual, for especially for the working man. Now, I haul high-end go-fast boats. I haul million-dollar boats all the time. Apparently... The rich are not feeling it, you know, um, very much. You know what I mean? Which means leads me to believe that a lot of their money is not vested. It's vested in foreign currency, foreign investment, you know, global type, international type stuff. So they're not feeling it. But my neighbors, I live in a working class neighborhood, neighbor after neighbor. The boats are are going, the new cars are going or the or the you know the the cars that are on payments, homes are going. People, there's there's a huge uh, change and backlash that the people are feeling here, you know. So, hey, oh yeah. Hey Daniel. Yes, sir. I had uh, written down the definition of patriot, and I thought you might like this: a person who loves, supports, and defends his or her country and its interests with devotion. So, I, I mean, a patriot is, is someone who, who who wants the best for the, for the people that live here, and, I, and that's really a pretty good definition. And I don't. Yeah. Think I don't think that outsourcing our jobs is the actions of a patriot, not by a long shot. No, it's not. And the media, the, the liberal media, and not to offend anybody that's liberal, uh, but the liberal media would have you believe that a patriot is a guy who wears camouflage pants to the mall and pulls out a gun and shoots people or yeah. defends some kind of crazy farm or crazy ranch out in the boonies where they hold military exercises or something. That's what they would have you believe a patriot is when in fact, in point of fact, the American colonials, they defined patriotism. They raised the standard of patriotism at that time in the world to the highest it had ever been. And we still, and we're in such a decline from that point that I don't think there's, there's but a handful of Americans that really understand what that means but the media like the one lady was saying on uh, glenn beck the other day she's saying the media talks only to the media they don't really they don't really have a sense or their finger on the pulse of the american people anymore and they haven't for a long time um uh other other than just people speaking out but uh you know this is uh, the nafta agreement is uh you know i don't i don't know what to call it north american free trade it's it's that it shouldn't be called that. It's anything but that, you know. Yeah, and I think you 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 touched on a good point too. You know, when you were, you said uh, you stood around with your hands in your pocket for 25 years, and I think a lot of people are still doing that. I don't know if it's because it's just life is just so busy, and you know they're trying to make ends meet and take care of their families, and 
And uh, but I look back on history, you know, when when everybody when at times in history when people just stood around and and didn't get involved and and uh, next thing they knew, you know, something detrimental was taking place, and then they were stumbling around asking, well, how did this happen? We never saw it coming, and. Uh, <clears throat> This NAFTA thing just reminds me so much of that type of situation. And uh, but then you have the people who are you know are still for it and everything. So I I I'm not smart enough to come up with uh, facts and figures on my own. So I mean I do the research and you know the more that I dealt into this and learned more about it, uh, I just couldn't see well how can anybody say that 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 NAFTA is working. Uh, it's not, and they know Anything it. Anything that I but see, I, I, just, I just don't see it. <laughs> it's not. It's not working, and they know it. Um, and they knew it wasn't going to when they signed it because they the, the, the real outline, you know, the interior outline, uh, the original intent was never what they said it was. Um, I don't know. I mean, we all know that greed causes a kind of blindness, a short-sightedness, and if there's any one factor that's inexplicable about this, I think that's a big part of it, but the explanation that is um, uh, from a truthful standpoint. Uh, however, yeah, you're right, Alan. It's, it's, I mean, it takes a person with a very intensive socio-political economic uh, worldview over a couple of decades at least to be able to pin this thing down and then it's a matter of naming names and the people involved and the lobbyists. It's, it's a very multi-level and a deep subject. However, the American people, we the people, um, are the ones feeling the backlash. I've always said this. Um, a guy can have his back turned to the guy holding the bullwhip, but the guy who's getting the, the tip of the whip can tell you without turning around to see that he's getting whipped. Yeah. Yeah. You understand? And that's exactly. the American people right now. We all don't have a clear sense of what's going on and the misinformation going back and forth. GE owns NBC now, so they're saying that forget those guys. You'll never get a straight answer or a straight comment out of them again, depending on what slant you're on, the left or the right or the middle or whatever. So, right. you know, the, the media and another unfortunate thing Years ago, people used to talk. People com communicated with each other. Now we are a nation of listeners and watchers of cable right. news. People live their lives and make their choices, news-based choices or environmental choices, based on what they see on the news. And the news is such a spin. I'm, I'm a journalist. I can tell you that the spin and the slant is always very intentional in these things. You can't do that. American, the American people don't really talk per se among, among themselves as a body, as we the people anymore. That's just not the case. You know, and I know that sounds like a criticism. I say that with love and, and, and my heartbreaking, believe me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. You, um, you have a, you ha having a show tonight? Uh, I am. I am, and I won't hog up your show here, Helen. I just this I went. I didn't call to plug myself. I don't care. I just wanted to call and weigh in on this because I so appreciate that you're that you're doing this and getting people getting people. The point is to is to get people to talk and to talk together, even if they disagree. You've always got. I had a guy last night who was kept asking me, "Why do you have your base?" Duffy something something. I don't know some whack job, and he was saying, "Why do you have your baseball hat on backwards? You sound confused." 
And I'm like, dude, we're, people are trying to, I mean, I appreciate you. You know, why do you have your head on backwards? Well, because it's not on frontwards. You know what I mean? At least you don't have your head on backwards, Daniel. All right. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, man, I've got a lot to be thankful for. My hat's the least of my concerns. And what was your question, sir? You know what I mean? So, but it's just the thing to get, uh, and especially in the trucking industry, and I'm still absolutely and totally stunned by this, and I know you've heard me say this a hundred times, but that there is no common out, no common voice among a labor force this large, which is absolutely stuns me, just absolutely stuns me, and I can't explain the reason why. I don't know if it's psychological or just differential or it's just the nature of the beast in terms of the solidarity of the job, but you think a guy sitting behind the wheel and, and they're on the phone anyway, I know I am, you know what I mean, that there would be some kind of communal effort between truck drivers as a body, as we know with Dan Little and the OOU and the things that he, he managed, the legislation, the, the fuel tax credit and the APU credit, which which is now dead, it didn't get through in time, but there's so many things. We know that action in terms of, of groups, uh, can, it, it, we can get something done. I mean, think about the, the small body of uh, activists, environmentalists that are trying to, you know, if they, how can they get $30 million to save a freaking mouse in California? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we've touched you understand? on that before. And I'm not yeah. knocking people's efforts. They love animals. They're God's creatures, and I respect that. I, I honestly do. But my point is that why can't 9 million CDL drivers, of which 3.5 to 5 million, our owner operators or or higher end company long term company drivers mm-hmm. whose 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 job security and futures are so directly tied to either their inactivity or their activity. There's so many pieces of legislation now, and you know this right now, that affect the trucking industry. They're they're legislating out idling. They're shutting down rest areas. Yet why can't why won't they let them environmentally build more truck stops. You see, there's so many issues that affect this industry, and the trucking company owners, they're so biased and so narrow-minded in their efforts that all they care about is influencing their ability to come in and out of the country and to hire cheaper labor and and logistical freight movement. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the ports, that's another whole thing. The ports have outpriced themselves out of the market already just like some of the unions have done with their own people, although that's a whole other issue I know. Uh, and that's why the three ports in Mexico are going to start taking most of the freight that was going to East Coast and West Coast ports. And um, I, know, <laughs> I know I got so much feedback on my little rant the other night. Well, I was in a little one. It was a big one on uh, Port Everglades where I spent I, – I had the privilege of spending the afternoon at Port Everglades with nobody that spoke English, you know, and one of the, you know, and I just thought, no wonder, I, you know, I was standing there, and, and, and me as a journalist and me as a truck driver, two separate things going on in my little fractured brain, right? And I'm thinking, it's no wonder in these effing, excuse my French, but these idiots, that, that how can they let these, thing, these, these, these facilities be run like this? It's, it's got to be holding up freight movement. For weeks, there were drivers that had been staying there for a day or two in line. The line was half a mile long. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. and things like that. So 
you know, um, as drivers, and my point, I guess, and I'll go, I'll go after this. My point was that drivers, I so appreciate what you're doing um, because it, it, it's, you know, you start little pockets of of talk, and talk begets um, community, and community begets hope, and hope begets effort. You know what I'm saying? Somewhere along the line, the, these pockets and groups of people. And there's a lot of guys that I have a lot of guys, a lot of the trucking bloggers that they call in and they don't say anything like I'm sure on your show, but they turn around and they they re reissue this information and they're getting people. So hopefully at some point the the trucker community as drivers and diesel culture support industry will will figure that. Well, wait a minute, you know what I mean? Let's let's try to save our industry and then maybe some of the other industries will follow suit. You know what I mean? The people will say, listen, and it's not a matter of pitchforks and torches and running down the street to lynch somebody from the government. It's a matter of thinking, wait a minute, these people work for us. What? I don't know where I was, but all of a sudden it's, it's like we're their subjects and they are the kingdom. Right. right. You know, the that's kings and queens, and that's not the mm, case. Nope. You know, that's so. Exactly, you're exactly right. You know, so anyway, like I said, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not going to hog there. I just wanted to put that in. But, uh, you know, if there, anybody's out there listening, you guys, just like I said, get off your rear end and get involved for once because your job future and your security, believe me when I tell you, your job security and your future is dependent on the action today is tomorrow's yesterday. But the things that we do today are going to create our tomorrows uh, by the same token. You understand? Right. So don't wait. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's all I had to say. So anyway, thanks, Alan, for this. I appreciate it. You know. well, I'll be well, screaming I, and yelling and carrying I, on later on tonight. Well, well, tell us what, uh, what time and how do we get to your show? Well, um, the, uh, just watch for the Twitter alerts or the, uh, the social site alerts, but uh, at the truckstar, T-H-E, the truckstar.com, there's information there and links to the Flash Player, and I think I've got a link there. I'm recommending uh, because some pe- the Flash Player is an advanced Flash Player, and a lot of people don't have the Flash Player player in their computers to do it. So I'm recommending I will post on Twitter and uh, on Ping.fm, you know, the Bright Kite and all the social sites, the the link page to the media players in the upper right, the little icons for uh, the real audio, the real player, the Windows Media Player. You know the quick time. You know oh, the okay. players that I'm listening to yours on the window media player here because I couldn't buffer the little blog talk box on your page. You know what I mean? So I, that's what I'm recommending. Or uh, you know I'll try the UStream thing again, but UStream's been having so many issues that a video feed from there is it's more problems than it's really worth right now. And on my it's not all on my end; it's on their end. You know they're having yeah. growing things like Twitter too. So anyway, yeah, just. Okay. Uh, Watch for the alerts later, and uh, if if all else fails, go to thetruckstar.com, and you'll find a way to tune in. And um, and just let the listeners know that when you call into my show, just like yours, Alan, you can hear the show over your phone. So if you're a driver, you're on the road, just take the call-in number, call in, and you'll be able to hear the show too. So Okay. Sounds okay. good. We'll be looking, Thanks we'll a lot. looking forward to it. All okay, right. man. So down, I said hello. All right. Bye-bye. I will. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, that's uh, one thing. If, if you're still having trouble with hearing our show, uh, January 1st, uh, Blog Talk Radio redid everything. Um, 
So one way, if you're having trouble hearing the show, is you have to install the, the new Adobe Flash Player update, which is the Adobe Flash Player 10.0 or above. So if you have anything, if you have the Adobe Flash Player that's under 10.0, it's probably not going to work. So just uh, uninstall and reinstall uh, the Flash Player 10.0, and that should take care of the problem. They never let anybody figure that out or never told anybody. It took me about three days to figure it out, and it's my show. So, but anyway, that's it. So, uh, I'm, I'm and, smarter than you, Alan. <laughs> uh, well, you must have been because it, it took me three days, literally, to figure out that I needed the new update. Uh, yeah, I, did, I I clicked on something and it, and it, and it happened. I got lucky because I did I did have a struggle. I meant to mention that to you. And Daniel's on the ball there. I, I I just a couple things that he said that really hit home was about sitting back for 25 years and watching. I I think there's a whole lot of us that that have done that. You know, I don't think that's uh, unusual. You know, as busy as drivers are. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. You know. Oh, and it's it's not to uh, blast anybody, but we're you know people are busy. You know they're they're losing their homes, they're losing their jobs, and even before that, you know they're just busy. Uh, you know we work more hours than any other country in in the on the planet, and 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 people are just um, you know they're just they're they're busy. But I like what uh you know Fred and J B Schaffner says at the AmericanDriver.com, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, they have a little saying that's like. Uh, um, you know, step up, speak out, or accept what happens. You know, or something like that, and that's so true. And and um, with Daniel calling, that that kind of that gave me an idea to uh, uh, let me give uh, all our listeners. Uh, our our lines are full, and uh, a lot of people in the chat um, uh, give you uh, some important links to some websites that will keep you informed about uh, important issues within the trucking industry. And it's a really good tight group of people who are who are coming together, like Daniel was saying, and are just trying to make things better for the trucking industry and for drivers. And and why we why we get um, some uh, flash you know some uh, flashback on this for less of a term. Uh, I, I don't know why. You know, we're, we're just trying to help and. But so let me I'm, I'm trailing off here. Let me give you some links to some uh, websites that's, that's really good. Uh, first, um, I go right back to the uh, theamericandriver.com. That's Fred and J.B. Schaffner who have committed uh, most of their time fighting government laws and uh, all who stand in the way of driver safety and success. And and their dedication to drivers is really second to none. That's uh, theamericandriver.com. And uh, another one is uh, truckdriversnews.com, and that's another excellent site by a 15-year veteran who devotes uh, much of his time helping drivers while he drives. And uh, Jason is well-known on Twitter as a real redneck, and his website is (laughs) – yeah, and uh, his website is one of uh, our news feeds on our iPhone uh, trucker application, and uh, um, so that's truck truckdriversnews.com, and uh, another one is Damien uh, Weiss. Is it Donna Weiss? Damien Weiss, and uh, we talk with Damien quite a bit. Donna talks with him a lot. Really good guy, uh, a driver who is relentless in his uh, thoughts and ideas and commitments for the benefits of drivers and and helps drivers any way he can. 
And uh, he has a great uh, blog. You can get there at smartunion.wordpress.com and uh, another great site. And, of course, the uh, the guy we just heard from, um, just uh, I, I, I listen to him as often as I can. The guy just, you know, he, he downplays uh Downplays it a lot, but <laughs> really intelligent guy, you know, really impressive. And that was Daniel Audette, who you just heard from, and uh, who many listen to almost uh, every evening on his Truck Star radio show and his uh, popular blog. And Daniel is well known for his uh, passion and open expression and voice in what he believes. In fact, I believe his blog is presently receiving 100,000 readers a, a week. Uh, so very, very popular, uh, goes right along with all these other guys and gals, and he can be found, like he said, at thetruckstar.com, uh, and you'll see a link to uh, uh, Truck Star Radio, and uh, that's another one. And, of course, I have to mention uh, our good friend Trucker Desiree, who we all know and love, and her uh, her commitment to help others is really beyond what many others would do for the sole cause of helping others. I mean, Desiree... Uh, continues her cause to help uh, new drivers, and and um, she's even endured even threats and verbal abuse, but she's she's really a great gal and, and really out there to, to help uh, new drivers and female drivers and, and uh, just helps a lot of people. And uh, you can get to her blog at truckerdesiree.wordpress.com. So these are the sites that are really stepping up and just really trying to help and bring about changes for drivers and the trucking industry. And um, I hope you uh, join in and, uh, as Fred and them say, at the American drivers step up and speak out or accept what happens. I love I love that saying. So, um, in fact, uh, what was it, what did this mean, Donna? What's this mean? Oh, is he on the line? Uh, okay, I think it's right here. Um, pull up uh, area code 940. Uh, didn't know if you were listening or wanting to be on the air, but you're on the air now. How you doing, Alan? <laughs> I'm good. Is this Fred? <laughs> yeah, this is Silver Surfer Fred. Uh, okay. I just, yeah, I just now, from uh, your your explanation just a little bit ago about the flash player, uh, now I know why I can't listen to it on a computer. <laughs> Uh, so the, the little problem I've been trying to figure out uh, is uh, solved. Uh, it took me more than three days, though. Yeah. Well, you, you would think Blog Talk Radio would tell me, but uh, they let me figure it out on my own. But, yeah, that's my understanding. You just need Flash Player 10.0. Yeah, I appreciate that help there. I, I've been going bonkers on that. Whenever I try to come in and listen to your show, I get the little bonk, and, and it'll say there's an error, and, and – uh, and I'm just, I've been pulling my hair out trying to figure out, well, what's the problem here? I could go to any other one and see in here, and uh, but I was having, having that problem. So I guess i got to check my Flash Player version. Uh, yeah, that's and, what, what it is. Well, well, it's funny. You're on the air, you're online, and uh, just telling everybody about these uh, great sites, the AmericanDriver.com, TruckDriversNews.com, SmartUnion.WordPress.com, the truckstar.com and truckerdesiree.wordpress.com. And uh, I've been real busy lately and I've uh, been kind of uh, short-falling here, but what's going on with you and how's everything going? It's, uh, we're, we're going along pretty good. Uh, we're actually making a little progress on our Virginia issue. Uh, I actually 
was able to finally get through to, was it, uh, the acting administrator, McMurray's uh, assistant, and was asking her if she's received my brother and mine's uh, uh, petition for them to initiate a proceeding under uh, regulation 350.215 to remove Virginia's uh, state funding under uh, Motor Carrier Safety Administration Program or Assistance Program. And they hadn't received it yet. Lady explains, I guess there's this two-week process for, I guess they got to go through the letters and check them for everything. And uh, so I, I told her I'd call back next Friday, but I told her, I said, I have placed a copy of this in its entirety uh, within our group and in, in our social community that we're attached with. Uh, so you can get a heads up and see what's coming at you. And within the hour, I got a call back from the administrator of the state funding department with FMCSA. And the only thing, I was, I was working at table saw at the time and missed the call. But, uh, you know, I'll be speaking with her Tuesday morning. The, uh, shall we say, the level of, of tone in, in the message she left really impressed me. It's, we caught somebody's attention in FMCSA. Uh, with the petition that I had put together and sent to them, and is that, you know we're getting somewhere. We have, yeah. we you know we just we're, we're we're getting that one step at a time. And from from the list that you just ran off, and thank you very much for that plug there. Uh, it it sounds like we're we're starting to kind of come together. There's more and more uh, individuals and and little groups that are that are starting to connect up with each other. We're all starting to get on the same page. And that that first step, you know, me and brothers always known that if we could just get a few of us to, that uh, can identify with each other and come together and all be working in the same direction uh, with issues, we can attack more issues at once uh, and reach out further to get truckers out there to understand that nobody's going to do this for us. And the groups, you know, bless their hearts, most of them do have benefits. Uh, we're members of OIDA. We're a little disappointed in some of the paths they travel, but we do know that they have major benefits for, for drivers out there when it comes to insurance rates and things like that. And, right. uh, you know, but we've identified that all these groups that have already been in existence and been around for many years just aren't getting the job done. They're not getting, you know, they're not driving that nail into the coffin and finishing the chore. And it's, it's going to take truck drivers. It's going to take us the individuals that are behind the wheel to effectively get anything done. And we're, it sounds like we're, we're starting to all come onto the same page finally. And that feels good. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of progress within the last three years, and uh, there's still some battles, still a lot of battles, and uh, it amazes me that we, we still have battles among truck drivers. But, you know, I, 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 let, I let many things just go in one ear and out the other, but uh, it is. Just like you said, a lot of these groups are coming together, and that's what it's going to take. And it takes it's a lot of hard work. People don't realize it. A lot of work, a lot of effort. But uh, you know, if, if we we get one thing done, you know, that's a victory. And we just keep plowing through and doing what we think is right. And and uh, you know, it, it's I, I know you're making a lot of headway. And so you know, we're behind you, and a lot of people are behind you. I think a lot of people that you don't even know are behind you. So. Uh, you're doing really, you and your brother are doing great work, you know, so that's, you know, I applaud you for that. Well, thank you very much. We, we're determined on this one. And, and we just kind of fell back on, and believe it or not, this this is truth. When we were young, we'd be out, you know, doing chores and grandma, you know, we'd go out during summers with grandma and grandpa. 
and, and we'd be doing our chores and trying to do a bunch of things. She used to always have a saying, you know, you can't do 10 chores at once. You can do one at a time, get all 10 done. And so we try to uh, identify that we need to find out which ones are the serious of all these problems that we got across the board. And right. anything that, yeah, anything, and that's where we identified this Virginia issue as being an extremely serious situation and needed to be dealt with. And so we have heavily focused in on that, and believe me, it's it's been it's been a tough one. There's a lot of very ignorant people within that state legislature and government offices and departments that that just can really work your frustration level up to a frenzy. You know, it takes everything you've got to re- remain or to retain your your composure when you're oh, talking yeah. to you're talking to these people, trying to get them to understand. It's like, well, what? Part of you are creating a dangerous situation promoting the public. Do you not understand when I tell you your state patrol is forcing truck drivers, 80,000-pound vehicles, uh, to get back on the interstate after two hours after they've already put 11 in, and they're trying to sleep and get some rest and be safe. They're trying to be compliant with laws that are in place. And you guys come along and you throw them back out on the freeway. And, and and we just it has been something else. We and I put it in our petition that you know we have tried for several months now to get to get stop this to address this issue, and we are left with no choice. You know we have tried everything we could, and it has now come down to all right. Well, if you want to enforce the law, which is your right, then we're going to go after your funding because according to the regulations within the Motor Carrier Safety Assistance Program section of the FMCSRs. You can't do this. And if you're going to do this, then you will be removed from federal funding. You know, they, there are stipulations and requirements that they must follow, and they are completely ignoring them all for the sake of, and this time me and my brother feel, that the truck drivers are being viewed as revenue resources, and this, this state in particular with this situation is generating revenue through this little law. All right. Right. I, I know it's been a battle, but you're 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 giving up uh, giving a good fight, and I see you're making headway. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting well. We're kind of hoping that, uh, and and once again, I put it in the petition at the very end, explaining you know making the statement that we feel that this just initiating this proceeding will generate the outcome that we have been demanding uh, from the get go to uh, to stop. You know, stop forcing truckers to violate the regulations and drive tired before somebody gets hurt or worse, gets killed. And uh, we're hoping that when I speak with Ms. Snyder on Tuesday that we can expedite getting this started and bring this to an end. It would be lovely if I could see this brought to an end by next Friday. I got my fingers crossed. Yeah, really. Well, how can uh, how can people how can people get to your site that uh, uh, where, where they can uh, learn about all these things that you're uh, up against and, and fighting for and everything? Oh, uh, from the uh, theamericadriver.com our splash page, there'll be two entrance buttons. One goes into our main site, uh, which is strictly developed for information and to help help everybody out there on a daily basis. The second entrance button is to the Truckers and Citizens of America page, and this is where we've basically tried to keep the two separate so that this is our speaking out, or our standing up and speaking out section. 
and you'll see right in the top center of it a little little uh, tire ribbon around the tree type of thing. Says United We Stand, uh, the American Driver Group. That will take you directly to uh, our group within the United Social Community, and there you can view all the discussions that I've started. I've tried to share information that I've located uh, that I feel the bigger issue that we, we want to tackle is the truck parking uh, problem that we have, period. Uh, there's some information dealing with a National Transportation Safety Board uh, investigative report done nine-plus years ago. Uh, you know, there's everything right on up to the petition that we sent. Uh, I try to keep information in there. And, I, and I'm not one that's real big at putting two or three things up, putting things up every day. Uh, I, I'm one of those that, that I got I got to spend my time doing doing this this calling and and this emailing, communicating with uh, the different departments in Virginia, FMCSA. Uh, we now have uh, a show that we have been offered to uh, be host of um, on Plains Radio. We're now on Saturday evenings between six and eight. We can reach out to more people, uh, which is actually. I, which I couldn't believe. We're actually on the airwaves now uh, through their syndication of other other radio stations. So, I mean, we, we're doing everything we can to reach out. And with all that, I have to admit, you might pop in there and not see nothing up for two days or three days, uh, but then I'll have something, and I do try to, if there's members, they'll definitely, you know, if you're a member of the group, you'll definitely get an email that says there's been a new posting. Uh, beyond that, I, I go to our trucker support page, uh, people that have uh, identified that we have a serious problem and something needs to be done and that they are, you know, they're committing to that understanding and, and to do what they can, send me their name, city and state, and I get them onto our support our truckers list uh, that, that's on there. There's there's quite a bit in there. But that's that's okay. the main to get it to a central point, one place, uh, so I'm not scattered about that I do whenever I get anything accomplished or we're beginning a new uh, avenue of attack. Uh, if we're calling on uh, a phone campaign, I try to keep everything in that one location so that people don't have to go jumping around to find out what's going on with the American driver and our fight with Virginia. Okay, so uh, the AmericanDriver.com again, just so check that out. And uh, well, Fred, thanks for calling. I mean, I'm going to try to get this one other caller on. And I uh, yeah. appreciate you calling and joining us. Oh, no, definitely. Thanks for uh, putting something out about NASA. You guys covered that very well. All right, thanks. Take care. We'll be in touch. Okay, you too. All right, seven minutes down, but I've got another caller here we're going to try to squeeze in. Uh, if you're calling from area code 610, uh, you're on Truth About Trucking Live. Go ahead. Hey, how are you doing? Um, it's Jose from Pennsylvania. Uh, I, I think that NAFTA does play a role in, in the unemployment, but I also think that our government hasn't done very well uh, when it comes to treating our, our businesses, the people that provide employment. If you see, if you go back to the 1980s and 1990s, you've seen a spike in the, in the amount of taxes that those companies have to uh, pay, federal taxes and uh, state taxes and local taxes, and they just they've been driven out by our government, I think. They, all they're doing is trying to find an alternative in other countries to make their products cheaper for the American people, and they resort to the, to the cheap labor. So. Oh, you've hit it. You've hit it. I mean, it's 
just right on the nail. I mean, we were talking earlier about uh, the manufacturing jobs probably been the biggest hit. And, uh, I mean, have you seen a result of NAFTA from where you live, uh, lost businesses or, or businesses moving out? Of course. You see, uh, uh, for example, I'm pretty sure you're aware of uh, Bethlehem Steel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the one that's been hit very hard. Yeah, Mack Truck is another one that's getting hit. You're, you were talking about trucks earlier. Well, Mack Truck is getting also is getting hit. There, uh, a lot of jobs are being cut too. So. so let me ask you, Jose, were you disappointed when uh, I mean Obama was talking about? And uh, again, it's, you know, it has nothing to do with Obama. It's just politics. But mm-hmm. uh, going to reopen and uh, re- renegotiate NAFTA, and then they decided not to. That um, uh, was that kind of a disappointment to you? <laughs> um, what was that? He decided not to uh, renegotiate NAFTA. Yeah, just kind of leave it the way it is right now. Well, I I kind of am, but I think that's a very small part. I think NAFTA of the problems because they, if you look, they are creating opportunities for for farmers in South America and in Central America, but and that kind of helps, but it doesn't it doesn't really. So I don't I don't know. I think they shouldn't do more stuff to try to prevent jobs from going place in places like Asia, China, and India. I, I yeah. think you're right, Jose. One of the things is there's a huge uh, corporate income tax that, that uh, causes a lot of businesses to want to move overseas, I believe, too. Yeah, well, um, I want to post, I'm going to post the link on the live chat um, of an article that I wrote concerning uh, taxation on my forum. So if people are interested. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. We've got four minutes down, so if you haven't done it yet, do it. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks. All right, thanks, Jose. I appreciate you calling in, and have a have a great Sunday. Um, uh, hey, Barry, four minutes down. Uh, been a great show. Uh, a lot of people in chat, lines full. Uh, it's a big thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean. You had some pretty smart people call in, too. That's cool. I was loving listening to that. Fred and Jay. JB, they're they're so on top of you know real specific facts they throw out. It's really cool to listen to them. You know, I would, yeah, I know. Uh, if, if people if people don't start thinking they're smarter than me, that's the only thing I worry about. Well, I told you, Alan, if they put both <laughs> our brains together, they they come up somewhere around monkey. But uh, we talk, I can hold the phone, Alan. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, I it's great. It's, huh? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. What is, is it? it time, is it? Is it quote time, or you got something else you wanted to talk about? No, you can go ahead. Three minutes down. All right. If you want to know why you're where you're at today, look at the actions you took yesterday. If you want to know where you're going tomorrow, look at the actions that you take today. And together we can make a difference. I mean, we can make a difference. And I want to throw a little, of the world unite, you know. So uh, yeah. I, I sincerely, I sincerely believe, and Daniel hit on this, and I know that, that uh, uh, JB and, and his brother uh, Fred, you know, they they had talked about that, and they are making a difference. That those guys, you know, and uh, and they were quoting out of the Constitution, and maybe maybe we all need to just download a copy of the Constitution and read it, and maybe you know. Yeah, I'll make a PDF file and put it on AskTheTrucker.com. Get, get back to the Constitution. That's where we need to be. So, um, okay, two minutes. Uh, well, Barry, thanks for being here and uh, sharing your expertise uh, and the <laughs> message of the day. Um, great show. See, 90 minutes, and we could keep going if we wanted to. 
Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah, I could I could waffle on for a long time. Yeah, that's cool. But I just you know, and we all have this is an opportunity. And I, I'm uh, I guess the Fred mentioned or you mentioned. I'm, I'm getting not sure who said what, but that there was that many millions of truckers, and, and that's a heck of a political force if we could get together. You know. Oh Part yeah. The problem, Go ahead. Two minutes. Well, part of the problem is, is that the, the type of personality that ends up being a career truck driver is pretty ornery, and, and not ornery in a bad way, but we're some independent buggers. So, you know, getting us all to agree on something, not the easiest thing in the world. But I just would hope that that, that somehow it happens, and I think shows like what we're doing today and, and, and the stuff that Fred JB and Daniel and everybody else, Damien and Desiree are doing, is it ultimately will work, you know? Oh, yeah. We've got a good group going. So, yeah. Um... Okay, one minute. Our next show is uh, this coming Tuesday, actually, May 5th, 2009, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and our special guest, Jack Martin of A1 Freight Broker Training, will be joining us again for a second time around, and we're going to be looking at the current state of the economy and the freight availability out there, and when will it turn around, and, of course, how happy uh, – a woman talking in my ear threw me off. And uh, um, what was – and, oh, and we're going to be talking again about – how having your own freight broker business can set you apart from the other owner operators and the benefits of uh, being your very own freight broker and running a successful home-based business. And from the expert in the field, Jack Martin, that's Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, the 5th, 2009, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And he will be our next guest on Truth About Trucking Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. So, Please join us for that. Uh, he was on before, oh, four or five months or so ago, one of our biggest shows we had, and he's going to come back and talk about that. And until next time, for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. On behalf of Blog Talk Radio and executive producer Barry Stutsky, say bye, Barry. Uh, adios, muchachos. <laughs> Drive safe, and thanks for joining us. Everybody in the uh, chat room, everybody listening online, uh, really appreciate you being here. Um, and as they say at the AmericanTrucker.com, stand up and speak out or accept what happens. Uh, nine, nine million of us, that's a big group. We have a big voice. We can make changes like Barry was saying. So appreciate you being here. Uh, drive safe. And thanks for listening. <laughs>